Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Lee2B, the sassiest podcast for B2B. I'm your friendly neighborhood growth marketer and host, Lee Moskowitz. Today, we've got the brilliant Amber Rhodes in the spotlight. She's the senior content and communications manager at User Gems and the creative force behind their content game. With over two years of experience crafting content strategies, managing social media, and leading communications at UserGem, she's a go-to expert for all things content and social. In between decoding algorithms and strategizing, you'll catch Amber indulging in reality TV, curating killer memes, and infusing personality into every piece of the content she creates. She's the real deal, bringing authenticity and genuine insights into the world of B2B content and B2B social media. Join us as we dive into Amber's unique take on the B2B content game on this episode of Lee2B. Hey, hey, what's up, Amber? Hey, I'm super impressed by your ability to, like, I was enraptured. It's like, who is this guest? But it's just me. <laughs> no, it is. It's not just you. It's it's you. It is it's me. You. I'm Kenneth. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to just get right into things. Uh, to kick things off, for our listeners who who doesn't know User Gems, could you tell us about about what you do? Yeah, so we're a. I'll do the the one liner. We're a pipeline generation company that helps you find your best buyers and automate the next steps. And in practice, what that looks like is you have all of these customers and users who already understand you and what your company does and your value prop. And when they move jobs, which they will, like everyone's moving jobs more frequently nowadays, um, you want to be one of the first people to reach out to them and remind them about why you're great and why you solve their problems and make their lives easier so that they can look great in front of their boss. And we just make that easier. Now, is it is it more about keeping track of people who were your past customers or were almost your prospects and then switch jobs or is it really like any any job switch honestly it's kind of all of it so we use this word champions as almost a catch-all for it could be someone who had been on the buying committee before when they were buying your product or maybe they were just a user of the product or they it was a closed one or a closed lost opportunity but they learned all about your product. So they're already like primed to hear about your solution. And you know that they understand the problem, like they're problem aware and solution aware. So it's a great time to reach out to them again. And then just there's this stat. I don't remember where it comes from that when people start a new job, like me, I've just started a new job. I'm in my first 90 days as a promotion. I'm more likely to have budget and to spend at this time. So it's just like a really good opportunity for people to reach out. Like it's a great signal for people to try to <laughs> remind you why you should buy again. First of all, congrats on the promo. I should have I should have said that. Well deserved <laughs> from what I can see outside. But so I, I think so I, I'm a I'm a marketing nerd. I am a CRM data nerd and People are always moving jobs. So it's crazy how much communication is sent and like how much pitching is done to people who who don't exist at that email address anymore uh, because they, they switch jobs. Or it's crazy how like you see this deal being worked for a year and then the job and then the person switches jobs. So I love that user gems really like they're not like we're doing data. We're doing this. So like, no, no, you're going to keep track 
of of who's switching jobs and when, so you don't have to have that anxiety about that. And I love that as, as a use case and as something that's just really specific to what all marketers and, and salespeople have trouble with. Yeah, like, and I don't think that there's anything more demoralizing in marketing than sending something and then having a bunch of kickback emails. It's like the email daemon or whatever, and it's like, no, 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 like this doesn't exist anymore. It's it just kind of sucks. Um, so a lot of times too, they're forwarded. Too. A lot of times too, like they're forwarded to whoever the email was forwarded to. So then that person gets like three emails from you if they're already on your list. So then. Yeah, so, but, uh. but let's talk your role, too, specifically. So you recently got that promo again. Tell us about what your role has been and what your role is, is now under your, your promotion. Yeah, um, so fun fact is that this company, as long as I've ever been at a single company, so I've been here a little over two years now, which is... Maybe it makes me seem like a job hopper, but up until this point, I didn't really understand kind of what I wanted to do or what I was good at. So I actually joined User Gems as a freelancer because I thought I was going to do full-time freelancing. And then they brought me on full-time as a content specialist. And then I was able to kind of show that social was our way forward for like building community and brand awareness and became the social media manager, essentially. So social and comms. Um, and then we lost our content marketing manager recently. So I was just kind of like, shoot my shot. Um, I already know, like, I understand all of our content. I have a really good understanding of what we want to do, where we want to go forward, what I would change. Um, and they were open to it and receptive. And it was a great conversation. So right now I'm doing content and social incomes, which is effectively like the brand awareness side of things. What are we doing on LinkedIn and making sure that we're seen everywhere and look bigger than we are, which is like a great compliment to hear. And then the content side of things is like, how are we assisting sales with what we're putting out there? I, I feel like I've heard like every marketer who works at a startup, a big part of your job is making making your company look bigger than than you are like usually like the market if it's a startup that marketing team is small and scrappy but we mm -hmm. like to pretend like we're bigger yeah so tell us a bit about how you you handle posting your own content and being active on linkedin and then going to your brand's page and your company page and then posting that is it the same voice? Is it similar voices? Is it completely different? What is that like? Yeah, I can't lie. A lot of it is similar. And I think people who say that they can separate it are kind of lying, <laughs> unless you have like a very dull brand voice. I think that I'm lucky in that my personal values align enough with user gems where they trust me to bring my own voice and kind of make it their voice. But I will say, I don't want to take full credit that our whole team has like such a great sense of humor that I pulled a lot from what I see on Slack to understand like, this is actually how we would talk as if user gems were a person, it's made up of these amazing people that I work with. And this is how they would talk on social. And I translate that. And then just a lot, it's filtered through Amber a lot of times. So like parentheticals, inside jokes, that sort of thing. It, ultimately like 
that brand voice comes from the personality of our company. Do you like so maybe you think different, but when you are the the lead social or lead demand gen or lead content marketer, you kind of, especially in B2B and B2B SaaS, you kind of are and have to be the face in a way for for social and for LinkedIn because like nobody else is going to do that. Plus, it kind of it kind of makes the job easier, in my opinion, because people are more likely to engage and see a person's post than than a company post. Yeah, um, very early on, I feel like we we kind of had this theory that what you just said, like people are more likely to interact with people. So some of it was like giving that brand page a personality, but then some of it was learning that we needed to build an employee advocacy program kind of early on because that enabled more of our people with their amazing personalities and thoughts and feelings that I'm seeing on Slack to post about it on LinkedIn. And then it didn't feel like the onus was on me or the company page to drive the brand. It really was like a group effort and really is a group effort to do that. Um, So I think like just having that instinct and then acting on it to empower our people to talk about user gens and the things that they care about has been a little bit of our cheat code. Um, And some of the credit goes to me for like pushing them to do it. But a lot of the credit goes to them for being vulnerable enough to like try it out. Yes. Yes. I mean, but like, uh, so I'll give you the credit so you don't have to do it. So like, because I've been in that shoes, like it's getting people to post is a lot harder than than it sounds. Even if it's just like, hey, like we just did this. Can you go post about it? Like mm-hmm. it's hard. And like I get it too, especially if you're in another role that posting on LinkedIn isn't as as part of your, your repertoire. And I also get it too. Like they are busy. So what I always do is like a little little media kit or like here's what we said. Like here are some ways you can phrase it. Here's here here's stuff like that. Do you do the similar thing? Yeah, we do a similar thing. Like sometimes I'll have an activation kit if it's something especially important with like here's a meme or here's a new way to think about this thing. Um, here's a template and here's something you can just copy and paste. Like choose your fighter. This is how we're gonna go forward. Please, please, please just post. And then typically if they do it's like great engagement and I'm kind of banking on them to get like a little addicted to the dopamine, you know, of posting more. If you're in marketing, you definitely have some kind of, kind of like rush when you, when you get that, like, I mean, that's what social media has done. They've, they've gamified existing so that we are, (laughs) we're existed. And like, it feels good when you, when you see that, like, even though we all pretend like we, we don't care about likes and followers, like when we get a like on something, it's like, yes. We want more. And then we want more. Yes, it's so true. And I think actually that was one of the bigger challenges that I had just starting out in social media is I took a big bet and said, I can do this when I'd never really done social media before. I was like, I'll figure it out. And then they trusted me to do it. So I had this whole learning curve of like kind of not even understanding that cycle from my personal accounts of like getting that dopamine hit wanting to always be on and always scrolling um, because it just wasn't something I thought about. So then for like a year, you know, I've been, I was doing it 
all the time. And my brain was just like wired for social media. And I've had to learn after that first year, like, are there ways to step back a little bit and have a healthier relationship with, especially LinkedIn, because I just get so pissed off at a lot of people Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn with (laughs) their thoughts and their hot takes and stuff. So like a, a big part of my job, I think in that first year was learning how to do social media, but then also for myself learning like, how am I going to handle this moving forward? Because this is social media is here to stay. So like, I'm going to have to figure content. People have to figure out social media in some capacity. Like you have to understand how it works, but I, yeah, it was a big challenge. I think one of the biggest things, and it's super uncomfortable that you have to get used to both when posting for, for a brand and then also posting for yourself. It's like, just get used to the fact that some of your posts aren't going to get tons of likes or or comments or that thing you thought was really funny, just like people won't react to. That doesn't mean, though, they aren't seeing the content because there's tons of lurkers out there. Like I will post a video for myself, for example, uh, about like, you know, a podcast clip and I'll get a certain amount of likes. But then I will either talk to somebody uh, on LinkedIn or get a DM from someone I've never talked to before saying they listened to the episode and loved it so much. So to me, it's always that reminder. But like, yeah, kind of like when you're running a marketing campaign, you have to get used to like not looking at it every two seconds. You have to do that with with social media. And that's hard to do. If you have any tips for me, that'd be good. Because I'm I'm looking for work. So I'm just constantly scrolling LinkedIn. Ooh. For my, for myself, for like my own mental health, I put up, I put up focus mode on my phone. There's like things that I have to do where I know that I won't be scrolling all day. Otherwise I just would. I put time limits. Like I do all of those things, but those are easy to ignore because you can just say, take me out of focus mode or like delete the time limit. Um, And I have done that before as well. (laughs) I've been like, no, I want more. I want more TikToks. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so Everyone always says you just have to, like, remove it from your your home screen. But, like, I'll end up searching for it. Like, <laughs> so, like, I feel like you have to just remove it completely. I feel like the real, real thing is, like, logging out. Because who the fuck remembers their Instagram password? But, like, that's why I don't. Because I don't want to have to log in or reset my password and get 3,000 notifications and two-factor authentication and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not brave enough to log out of like Instagram and Facebook because I truly have no idea. I have no clue what my password is. So getting into some content. So like like most SaaS tools, like most tools, there are, are different decision makers in the process. And you have to market to the champions, the influencers, and then as well the people who are going to sign at the end. How do you go about adapting that? It could be in general, but it could be in your current role. But how do you go about adapting and thinking about content for the different people in your ICP or, or the different roles in your, in your buying committee? Yeah, it is really difficult. So for user gems, we have three personas that we're targeting. And even that, I think that trips me up sometimes because of the way it's sales and sales dev marketing and rev ops and they are their own distinct personas but then the way that they interact around what we do pipeline generation is so intertwined that sometimes marketing are the ones bringing in 
the leads for sales. Sometimes sales are the ones who are actually purchasing the product and then they have to, you know, partner with marketing and RevOps to get it implemented. And it really has been a challenge. And I'll be totally honest that I don't have an answer for you right now, but it's something I'm trying to figure out. So I set up this like 30, 60, 90 for myself in this content role where like, I think the understanding that I had to have for social content was quite different from what I'm going to have to have for like website content case studies and stuff. Um, And I'm trying to expand it because our social mostly leaned into the sales development and sales persona, um, partly because it moved the needle. They get what we're doing really quickly. Um, They're easy to talk to and they're fun. (laughs) And like, it was just easiest to do that. So that's kind of the persona I'm most familiar with. Now I'm having to learn more um, and understand like how I can alter content language, um, especially I think customer stories and customer proof to speak to those. So I don't have a good answer, but no, that was a great answer <laughs> saying it's like literally saying you're not sure yet and laying out what you're going to do to find out is, is like the best answer. And honestly, sometimes the answer is like, it really isn't that different. Like maybe we change some keywords or we focus on, and I'm not, this is a blanket statement, but like sometimes it isn't that different and you don't need to overcomplicate it. Other times you find that like, wow, there's just so many different use cases. There's so many different case studies there's so many different budgets involved that that really depends. So that'll be exciting to see what you figure out. But I think what you're also hitting on too is sales, marketing, rev ops. That is, is kind of just go to market right now. Mm-hmm. And so much of these departments and functions are now overlapping, especially as we have fewer people being hired and mm-hmm. more fractional work that marketing sales like it just go to market in some in some places yeah yeah and i think i like your thoughts that it maybe doesn't have to be so complicated because i do think like say i was trying to do a quick audit of our content that we published on our blog i wanted to understand what use cases we covered and what personas we were hitting on and find out if there were any that didn't cover both because then that's not the most helpful content for what we're trying to achieve. And there were moments where I was like, well, it speaks to sales, but it also speaks to marketing. And I think I was getting so in my head that it took me a week to do this thing that should have taken just a couple of hours because I just kept like trying to fit everyone into a teeny little box. And it just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It's, especially like you said right now it's so interconnected as marketers we're obsessed with our spreadsheets and powerpoints and our acronyms and we really like to overcomplicate things so we feel like we're we're you know we're really working hard and we're you know we're really tailoring things to everybody uh, but then it's like you create this content and it's just so many resources and wait a minute, maybe we didn't need to. One thing I always like to touch on when it comes to content and social media is the quality versus quantity debate. And I say this in terms of are we is our, are we just going to shit out 10 LinkedIn posts a week and be like, yeah, are we going to like crank out tons of blog posts? 
or are we going to be very meaningful and only have X amount, or they're going to be killer, or we're going to have X amount of blog posts, but they're aimed on these really relevant quality terms. So where do you approach that? Do you find a balance? Do you go one way or the other? What's your take on the, on the quality and quantity? Yeah, so that's an interesting question because I saw there's someone that I follow on LinkedIn who is always talking about how they scaled to doing like 30 blog posts a month and now 100 blog posts a month. And I guess in my head, I don't understand why. And maybe that's just like, I don't know their strategy. Um, as I'm thinking about our like blog content strategy moving forward, um, evaluating, I can see that we were starting to almost over-index on SEO content, which meant we were putting out more content that was less relevant for those personas and the use cases that I was talking about and why I did the audit. And that leads me to think that we need to slow it down. That doesn't mean that it's a forever thing, but finding out that not everything was relevant to our audience showed me that there there is opportunity for us to get more intentional in a way that we hadn't been before. And because now I'm holding the social and content function to get intentional from the top and roll that out over social and like content waterfall or whatever people call it, I think that that's like a really exciting opportunity. But there is a different conversation between content and social. So I think content more intentional, less for me, that's my opinion. Social is becoming a numbers game almost. Like there had been for a while, tips to only post once a day on LinkedIn. Um, but LinkedIn posts, especially for individuals, but companies as well, the it would keep serving to people for like a week or two weeks. Like you could get impressions from that post for quite a long time and it's not the same anymore. So now it's like frequency is your friend. Um, and that's been difficult to like, just churn out content as a team of one mm -hmm. for a long time. But I think embracing that, like recycle mentality, <laughs> just reduce, reuse, recycle. I, I'll just, grab a post I did 10 months ago and change maybe like one word and post it again and it'll do fairly well. And I think what has really helped us as well, this is an extremely long answer, is figuring out for social our content mix. So like making sure we're not doing just memes or just super important, long, valuable posts, but mixing it up throughout the week uh, so that we're always touching on the different things that our audience might like. Like some people are only in it for the memes and that's fine because it's social media. Some people want the tips. So how do we hit as many people as possible throughout the week? Yeah. And like with the memes, like it's also, you can have the most beautifully written, helpful paragraphs and paragraphs of, of stuff on LinkedIn. But like, it takes a while to read that and scroll when it's a dumb picture about the Golden Globes or or, or something like that. Like people want to interact with that and they find it funny. And yeah, like it, it is that so mix. True. Yeah, it's like, um, I don't remember who called it this, but I, maybe it was the National Park Service. It's Venus flytrap content, like using memes, like stupid dumb pictures, which I love stupid dumb pictures to reel people in 
they'll be like, that's a stupid dumb picture. And then they'll click read more and then you'll have like actual valuable content as the post. And I think like trying that out and then trying just posting the meme and then just posting the content is a good way to go. And then look, you've got yourself three posts right there by just using that same thing three different ways. Well, I want to talk a bit more about employee advocacy because you mentioned that before and it was a big part. So when it comes to content and social media, you know, I talked about, I hinted at some of the, the hard parts. How would you go about, or if you were to give advice to somebody, how could they mobilize their employees for content creation or to post on social media? How do they go about starting this advocacy program? Yeah, it's really hard, like you said, because you can ask someone to post and then they, I think people have their valid reasons and then they have their reasons that come from like untruths that they're telling themselves. Like, I can't do this. I'm not an expert, that sort of thing. And I think the most effective strategy that anyone can adopt and probably the hardest is helping people find their internal motivation and not external. So I could ask our ADR leader to make it a requirement for ADR supposed once a week. I could do that. And she would probably be like, sure. But at, at what point is that actually helpful for the people? So we've just been like trying to remind people that as much as it's helpful for us, it's helpful for you. It's like a win-win situation. And as soon as they're able to make that connection, they're more likely to post because they're posting for themselves. They're not posting for user gems. They're not posting for their job. And I think we've also seen a lot of examples of people getting laid off last year Mm -hmm. and being able to leverage, I hate the word leverage, but being able to use leverage LinkedIn. This is an appropriate use for the word word leverage. This isn't chat GPT starting every sentence with leverage. leverage. Yeah. Certainly. Well, so you can tell this. Tell me you're a content marketer without telling me you're you're a content marketer. Like you just did that by saying you hate the word leverage. Hate the word leverage. Um, yeah, for me, it's just like say what you actually mean. A lot of times, we use it as a placeholder. Okay, but if they're able to leverage LinkedIn and their network to find a new job, like I think it's a nice safety net for them to have. So. I would say like do the the regular foundational things like put a social media policy in place so that they can feel comfortable knowing what they can and can't post because that you will be surprised by how many people will be like, can I post this picture of Taylor Swift or whatever? I'd like have that in place for your own mental sanity and for theirs, but then also just try to speak with them one-on-one and say like, if you want to do this, why? And then we'll figure out how to make it happen. And it's okay if their answer is, I want to do this because I want to book more leads. Like that's okay, but it's coming from them and not from us. But can I post this picture of Taylor Swift? Oh, please post that picture. But this is a perfect time to get into our segment, Spill the Tea with Lee. That's right. This is the sassiest podcast for B2B and it's going to get juicy. So... Amber, you are a self-described reality TV aficionado. Is that is that like Real Housewives? Is that like what is what is that? So lately, it has mostly been things on Bravo. So some of the Real Housewives, and then like Vanderpump Rules and Below Deck. But I've been spending a lot less time watching it. I used to watch the like real trash, like the TLC stuff, the 90 Day Fiance. But the lore got too much for me. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. 
Yeah, okay. So I I actually don't watch any Bravo reality shows. It surprises people. Like, I've never seen a Real Housewives show. I've never seen the Kardashians. And, and this shocks people and it, it disappoints people. I actually don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, I've never seen an episode of that. It shocks people. Oh, um, you're missing out, I think. I know, I know. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know if I can watch a full, like, I feel like I can lip sync um, <laughs> the same way other people can. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay, gonna get so fair. much hate for this. I'm gonna get so much hate for this. <laughs> but okay, so reality TV. I've, I've, because I've, I've had this. And have you ever thought of a B two B reality TV show idea or a LinkedIn reality TV show idea that would be like your dream scenario or just a really funny scenario? Have you ever thought of anyone like that? Yeah, I had. I like briefly said, joked around about B two Bachelor. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So just like trying to connect uh, prospects with the companies. But I think like the basest, most drama loving side of me would love some sort of B2B burn book kind of thing where we just like roast each other. Yeah, that'd be fun. I So I always like I don't watch any of the, the current ones, but like I used to watch the trashy ones like like Flavor of Love. Uh, what was it? I Love New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know those Tila Tequila. So I feel like we can. I think we should get Apollo and Zoom Info in in some kind of reality TV show situation because they have their their fights going on, and I I think we can just just see what happens. Yeah, are they still fighting? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, that really like fueled a couple of days for me. I was like, ooh, I love this. Look at this comment. Um, I love LinkedIn drama. That's, that's my big confession. Like I will follow it like a TV show, send it to my friends, ask if they see updates because I just Mm -hmm. need to know what happens. I, so my favorite is when people like have like a follow-up post and like, that's the one that blows up. And like, I like, they're like, you probably, if you've been living under a rock or you probably saw this last time, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So then I go in and like, I look through their posts and stuff. So reality TV, we were talking about. Yeah, no, I think there's there's tons of options for for B two B to break into the television space. Like I think like we can bring back Deal or No Deal in some capacity, and Ooh. like that's how much you you get funded. Maybe I, I don't know. We can. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What's the um? What's the one with Howie Mandel and the briefcases? That's Deal or No Deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was Deal or No Deal. Mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. okay then yes exactly what was i thinking the price is right is what i was thinking oh that's another good one too oh we can guess all right so here's what we do we find all the websites that don't list their, their pricing which are I, I, I don't know most ass sites these days yeah. i don't know and then we have i feel like it'd be fun to have somebody who doesn't work in the industry at all try to guess the prices then have somebody like and we keep getting closer to like like this person is in sales or this person's in marketing and yeah we do that rules and then whoever guesses it right gets like a free year or a discount or <laughs> Ooh, i really like that and i also really like kind of on that same idea getting people who aren't in SaaS to try to figure out what a SaaS company does based on their website like i think that's a really fun exercise and that one would be easy enough to do yeah, I used to do the a LinkedIn series like what's the acronym 
where I I would ask my my boy my non marketing boyfriend to guess like the acronym. So like I would do OKR, and he'd be like, "All I can think of is OKR by by Cardi B." Mm-hmm. And then yeah, uh-huh. so I used to do stuff like that. I I stopped when I was laid off because I didn't. I feel remember like it. that you had like little yeah. magazine covers. Mm-hmm. I was doing B two B mag, and yeah, maybe I should yeah. get back into it. I don't know. You should just hey, how about you just uh, repurpose your old post? Post yeah, yeah, I, I might, I might. I've been repurposing my old videos. That's that's what I've been doing. Like but it. the the other thing with repurposing, and this is actually a marketing point, not just um fun gossip. But like, there's always going to be like somebody who hasn't seen it the first time, and they will be like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Or you have this. So like, literally every time I put I repurpose something, somebody new was like, "This is the first time I've seen this." Yeah, it's like a a good reminder. I think that we we're so convinced that everything we say has to be like original and fun and exciting. And there is a big portion of content and social that's actually kind of boring. Like when you get down to it, it's just saying the same thing over and over again. So I want to get into to your podcast to give it a shout out. Because you are somebody, speaking of spilling the tea, you're always spilling the tea about mental health, mental health in the workplace. So just want to give you a little time to shout out your podcast and then also answer why was it so important for you to to talk about mental health so publicly? So I started a podcast last year called Everything's Coming Up Marketing, and I decided to do it like a by seasons. And part of that was because of my mental health and I was doing all this extra work for the podcast you know how much work it can end up being. So you understand. Um, A lot more than people think. Yeah, it is. It's and like little things too. That'll surprise you. I started that up because I, I was noticing that when I would talk to people, like I would do a coffee chat with you, Lee or something. And we would both be like, Oh, it's fucking terrible out there. Like all of my friends are getting laid off. I hate everything. Um, I don't have budget. Like we would just talk about how hard it was and the things that we were trying to do to cope with it. And I was like, well, what if, what if we had these calls and then we published them, something like that. So that was kind of the basis of the, the idea. And then it also came like, it didn't spring from nothing. I just really love talking about mental health and mental illness and just trying to normalize it in the professional world. Um, I, I remember when I first got my like, big girl job. It was still part-time, but I was going to an office. It was the same time that I had been diagnosed with major depression and generalized anxiety disorder. And I was starting on Lexapro, some sort of mood stabilizer. Um, I think maybe just those two, (laughs) but a big dose of Lexapro. And it really messed with my system. And to the point where I was having to like take naps in my office and I was not doing well in my job and never did I feel like I could tell my boss that this is what was going on. And so I was so self-conscious about it. Um, and it just didn't feel like the kind of thing that I talked about. And as I've gone through the ranks and learned more about the professional world, I've decided I don't want to work at a place where I can't talk about it. Yeah. Um, the job that I had before user gyms really kind of wrecked me for a bunch of different reasons and that was, I guess, the final straw where I was like, I can't go to a place where I'm not open about mental health. So I started being more open about mental health and the world didn't end. So it just seemed like something I could talk about more and maybe help other people have those conversations and normalize it. My tagline is oversharing is caring, which I think is like 
chef's kiss brilliance from me. Yeah, I one love that. Love everything you said. And I, I too, am a big proponent of, of talking about mental health, DEI. When you see somebody posting about it or talking about it, you're like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. And it's just such an amazing thing. And then when you talk about it more openly and even more openly, you find other people who talk about it openly. And then it's like, oh, damn, we all went through this. Like, bam, community. Yeah, yeah it's helped me build an audience uh, and a network that I really like on LinkedIn, like people that I feel understand and I can talk to you. I could just slide into their DMs and say, I'm having this problem. And then they would respond. But the most gratifying thing is having people DM me and be like, oh, I just started therapy or a coworker telling me that they thought they might have anxiety and then going to get medication for it. Like that's all really awesome stuff. And I just want to be like the coworker that I wish I had had when I was sleeping on my couch, failing at my job and not telling anyone I had like <laughs> really bad depression. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally I think everyone should go to therapy. Like if you haven't been to therapy, go to therapy. Like men what your wife or girlfriend wants this year isn't isn't jewelry. They want you to go to therapy. Uh, yes, so at go least do that. once a week. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk therapy is definitely helpful for for people. Like go go like take care of your mental health. Well, to to get in a, in a lighter note and to to end with another spill the tea question, what is a trend in the content marketing space that you think is overrated? or downright wrong or is a myth just what 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 comes to mind when i when i say that what needs to be put to rest in content marketing i'm not bought in on having your own owns media platform um i have so much respect for what's being done by people at hockey stack and lavender for lavender land i'm not bought in i I guess I don't get it. There's never been a point where I'm working where I'm like, oh, I just want to go binge some fun B2B content to like lighten up things a little bit. Unless like, it's Lee to B, which is the fastest unless podcast. Unless it's Lee to B, like I'll listen to a podcast, but <laughs> I mean like a puppet show about mm-hmm. emails. That's not really for me. I guess I can get that it might appeal to other people. I've just, I, I don't know. I'm not totally bought in. Like the things I want to watch and pay attention to while I'm at work and trying to ideate and write and stuff is so different. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Well, this was such a fun episode. Thank you so much, Amber, for coming on. Before we go, want to shout out anything you'd like to shout out. So you can, let's do the podcast again. Anything else you want to talk about? This is your time. Yeah, I would love if people would check out Everything's Coming Up Marketing. These are older episodes, but they're conversations with people that you probably already follow and know and love their content. But it's just them digging in and talking about how they are dealing with mental health, the challenges that they face in their job. And basically, we just chat about all that shit that we chat about on just calls, coffee chats. Um, But I published it on Spotify. (laughs) Yes. Well, everyone go check that out. Follow Amber if you aren't already and tune in to the next episode of Lead of Bay. Thank you all so much. I will see you for another episode next time. Enjoying Lead of Bay? 
please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Your reviews go a long way in supporting me. Thank you so much.